Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome back to three for three on the YouTube and podcast homes for BamaOnline.com. BOL staffers Travis Schreier, Clint Lamb, right there alongside me, and then in the centerpiece position, Jimmy Stein. And guys, we had the SEC schedule reveal for the 2024 season last night. Not just on the SEC network, mind you. That baby was also simulcast on the big the big one, ESPN. So that kind of tells you where we're headed in this new era of SEC football, SEC sports, really. But just wanted some initial reactions from both of you uh, on seeing those final pieces put into place. We, we pretty much knew the schedule. There were three games, three opponents that we were waiting to have finalized. And I guess for me, the biggest thing is seeing all these SEC Eastern Division teams on the schedule and not seeing Mississippi State or Ole Miss or Arkansas. That might take me a little bit to get used to, Clint. Yeah, it's uh it's it's interesting. I don't want to it's not a bad thing necessarily, but it's new. And I guess I'm getting older because I'm getting more set in my ways and I don't like change. And I, if that makes me an old man standing on my line, then it is what it is. But it will adjust like we do with anything else, and it'll be fun. But it it certainly has been an adjustment, and seeing the actual schedule, it just felt so foreign compared to what we've been used to. What about yeah. it, Jimmy? You know the plum of of the SEC. I mean, I I hate picking on these guys because I have a ton of respect for their program, but the plum is a road game against Vanderbilt. I mean, in the sense that you know everybody's got to play four road games. And when one of your road games, you're going to be probably a 25-point favorite on the road 
uh, that's that's a big break. That's a big break because that means, okay, now you've got three tough road games, but not four. And, of course, Alabama's three tough road games are insanely tough to me at LSU, at Tennessee, at Oklahoma. Uh, to me, it's it's an, an incredibly difficult schedule, but it could have been worse. Uh, but, but the road game at Vanderbilt, I think, really helps lighten the load. Uh, and, you know, let's also face it, I think at the time Alabama scheduled the non-conference game against Wisconsin, uh, they probably didn't anticipate Wisconsin starting a season outside of the top 25. But I, I'm not so sure that Wisconsin will even be ranked when, when Alabama plays them. They probably didn't consider that much of a possibility at the time uh, Alabama inked the deal. Competitive balance, right? That's what you were looking for with these schedules. And I agree. I think having the bye week, the first of two bye weeks, by the way, September 21st, then Georgia and Tuscaloosa for Alabama on the 28th, and then at Vanderbilt, uh, it seems like that was an attempt at some of that, given the nature of these schedules. Not just for Alabama. I'll tell you what, man. I look at Florida's November. That's insane. Good luck. T's and P's to Billy Napier if he gets to November. Because in November, Florida's looking at Georgia and Jacksonville at Texas. Um, then it's LSU, I think. LSU Ole Miss in Gainesville. And then go to Florida State. Five games in the month of November. And that's Florida Slate. So this isn't to say Alabama you know, it's got it tougher than than a lot of these other schools in the SEC. But certainly when you talk about those road games for the Crimson Tide, no doubt about it. And look, there's nine bowl teams from this year anyway on Alabama's schedule for next season. Western Kentucky, the tops are playing in a bowl game coming up. South Florida, as much as we talked about that game for Alabama is just catastrophic or borderline catastrophic. Kudos to South Florida. Went on and qualified for a bowl game this season. Wisconsin's going to play LSU and Tampa coming up here. Uh, of course, Georgia, Tennessee, Missouri coming off a Cinderella type of season. LSU, Oklahoma, Auburn, nine bowl teams. Um, so there is that. There's a quality schedule. I don't think there's uh, any doubt about that. But wanted to get into with you guys, too, kind of the defining stretch for this schedule as we see it and understanding – we still don't know transfer portal, things like that. They're going to shake out and impact rosters for these teams on Alabama's 2024 slate. But for me anyway, it looks like the first half of the season, it isn't a cakewalk by any means, okay? I mean, when you play Georgia uh, on September 28th in primetime on ABC, we know, we know what that's going to constitute. Uh, but when you get to the back half of the schedule, you know, at Tennessee, Missouri, assuming Brady Cook is back at quarterback, Luther Burden back at wide receiver, LSU, you anticipate defensive improvement, certainly for the Tigers. Then you go to Oklahoma after a breather against Mercer and Tuscaloosa. Dylan Gabriel moves on, but Jackson Arnold, former five-star quarterback on the recruiting trail, expected to step in there. And then, of course, the the finale against Auburn. I guess I look more at the back half of the season. What about you, Clint? Yeah, I mean, there's so many interesting elements to this roster compared to years past, right? I mean, you've got the Wisconsin factor in going on the road to someone else's place, not a neutral site for the first time. You know, I guess South Florida uh, last, you know, this year, but at the same time, that's more, you know, non-Power 5. So this is the first time they played a Power 5 opponent in their own house since Penn State in 2011, I think. You got like 
the fact that you're playing Georgia in the regular season and you know that has happened but you're playing them in Bryant Denny for the first time in a full capacity Bryant Denny since 2007 when Matthew Stafford and those guys came over and, and beat Alabama in overtime I think it was Matthew Stafford and AJ Green and those guys uh but then when you start getting into the, like you don't have the the you know quote unquote cupcake game before the Iron Bowl this year that's interesting you got to go all the way out to Oklahoma the fact that you've got multiple uh you know uh, Oklahoma's like you know 10 and a half hours Wisconsin's 12 and a half hours so you got guys who are having to travel quite a bit compared to in years past and then you know at the like you said the tail end of that stretch I mean obviously it's going to be difficult but if you survive all that and you make it to the SEC championship you're going to have three straight games of at Oklahoma Auburn and then whoever you play in the SEC championship game so that'll be a tough three-week stretch and I don't think we talk about that enough uh compared to you know you Usually, I think it's 14 out of 17 years that Nick Saban has been at Alabama. They've played an, an FBS or excuse me, an FCS or a group of five team prior to the Iron Bowl. And so not having that, but not only not having that, having to go all the way out to Norman, Oklahoma to probably play a top 25 Oklahoma team, uh, it could be a difficult stretch for Alabama for sure. What do you got, Jimmy? What do you think about that? Yeah, the end for me. It's the end. Uh I always, I mean, I, I just start out with the idea when I'm looking at, at a schedule and including Alabama's is, okay, who who are you playing on the road and when? And uh, the fact that you're you're at LSU and at Oklahoma in, in two of three weeks, uh, that that's really tough because now you're already into the last third of the schedule. So you've played a lot of games. There's some attrition. There's some banged up dudes. And uh the way I can kind of see the season playing out uh, next year is that you go into that LSU game solidly in the playoff picture, most likely. I mean, that based on previous Alabama teams and results, you like your chances of getting to that LSU game with maybe no losses or one loss. But just imagine, guys, you're going into Baton Rouge already with a loss. Maybe it was to Georgia. Maybe it was at Tennessee but you're going into LSU with a loss and now you're like, well, we can possibly afford one more loss and make the playoff. Maybe, but you got at LSU, you got at Oklahoma, you've got to win one. If you've already lost, you know, uh, two, now you got to win both. I'm just saying that it, it looks difficult from here. And then how the season plays out, it could look even more difficult, you know, when you get there, but, but for me, in terms of like the toughest stretch of this season uh, that, that was laid out for us last night on SEC Network and ESPN uh, is uh, that 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 very back third that will include road games at what are now, as we speak, two top 13 teams. Yeah, you look at that Georgia game on September 28th, and with the expanded playoff, it's easy to sit back and say, well, if you don't win that one, you're still in good shape. But it, to your point, you lose that game to Georgia on September the 28th. You get to LSU, even Tennessee, a few weeks after that, there's going to be a real sense of urgency because if you lose to Georgia at home, and let's be honest, Georgia's been more successful against Alabama and Tuscaloosa than it has been in the state of Georgia, whether it's Athens or Atlanta. Um, and then at Tennessee, uh, you know, there's some wild cards in play there. And I think something that we're going to look at too is, the quarterback position for these opponents. And again, some of this is still 
to be determined. I talked about Missouri with Brady Cook expected back. Tennessee transitioning from Joe Milton to Nico Iamuyava stepping in there. A guy who there are going to be astronomic sort of expectations for in 2024. Is Garrett Nussmeyer the guy at LSU? Talked about Jackson Arnold uh, with Oklahoma. And then, of course, Peyton Thorne, I guess, at Auburn. Is that right? He's still got eligibility, right? He's back. So, um, Jimmy, where do you start with those quarterbacks? And again, you know, some of these teams, Byron Brown going to be back for South Florida. Tyler Van Dyke moving on from Miami to Wisconsin. So, you know, I may be a little guilty of this and it may be too simplistic, but when I see a schedule release, guys, Jimmy, the first place I look is quarterback for these teams. Uh, I like it. I like it. That's very smart. That that makes a ton of sense. And it is. I, I don't know that I would go murderer's row of quarterbacks, but it's daunting uh, in the sense that, that you know Tyler Van Dyke is a, is a pretty good player. Uh, you know uh, what the expectations are at Tennessee for, for the young guy. But, and you know that from what we've seen from Nussmeyer, he's good. But I'm going to talk about Oklahoma. Uh, I don't know all the inner workings uh, of uh, Norman and what's going on there. And I don't have a, a bug in that football building in Norman. But it just seems to me from the outside that Oklahoma sort of, I, w- I don't know if pushed Dylan Gabriel out, but they seem to have zero reservation about going from Dylan Gabriel to Jackson Arnold. And that's a that's a pretty scary thing. It means that the, the coaches inside the program are going, you know what? Uh, Dylan's been pretty good. He's been pretty good. But uh, we like our five-star that the fans have been clamoring for and that we actually got to look at in games. So it's clear to me that Oklahoma is really confident about how good Jackson Arnold may be. And, again, we know Nuss. We know Nico up at Tennessee. Uh, here's one we haven't talked about who's a really, really good football player is Brady Cook at Missouri. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't seen an announcement yet about uh, whether he might be moving on to the NFL. But since he hasn't announced that um, right now, I would say it looks like Brady Cook's going to come back. Uh, and, and what a really, really good football player he is. Uh, and then who knows who you're going to face, uh, you know, uh, portal wise, uh, you know, in the other games. But uh, I, I would point out uh, again, Jackson Arnold as somebody that uh, is not a name that every Alabama fan is familiar with. But uh, he was a five star that signed with Oklahoma. And uh, they've been excited about him since the day he got on campus. Malik Murphy, too, Clint, just hit the portal for Texas. I wouldn't be surprised to see him land somewhere else in the Southeastern Conference. But I guess from the Alabama perspective, you're taking some comfort right now, at least, in thinking, you know what, we're we're pretty well set at the quarterback position when you look ahead to 2024 in some of those daunting tasks, including that that road slate that Alabama is going to try to navigate in 2024. Yeah. And you know, it'll be a different off season. Like last off season, it was such so quarterback driven as far as the conversations and the debates. And in a lot of ways, it got to a very toxic point. And, you know, I don't really think anybody is questioning whether Jalen Milrow is going to be the starter in 2024. And that's certainly good. You get to kind of turn your attention elsewhere. Uh, you should have a majority of your offensive line coming back. You might have to do some shuffling around. Do they ask, you know, McLaughlin to come back? Do they not? But the team next year should be pretty good based off of returning talent. Uh, they're going to lose some players like they pretty much do every year, and they're going to need to address some of those issues in the transfer portal. And if they don't, then, you know, there could be some question marks. I wouldn't say the concerns just yet. But it should be a good team. And, you know, when you've got your quarterback situation figured out, 
you can kind of continue to build around that. Now, other teams are going to have an opportunity to get tape on your quarterback, and they're going to spend all offseason trying to figure out, okay, what does he not do well? What makes what, what challenges him? And, you know, uh, Georgia kind of did that on, on the fly, and I think that affected him in the SEC championship a little bit. Teams are going to be trying to figure out different ways that they can achieve that and then hope that, you know, Alabama can't win in other areas to give them a chance to win the football game. And, you know, we'll just have to see how he responds. But at the same time, Tommy Reese and, you know, the rest of the offensive staff, they're going to have an entire offseason of saying, okay, what did Jalen do well? Where does he need to improve? You've got plenty of time to, you know, help him uh, or, or guide him along as far as making improvements in certain areas. And when you start focusing in on that, because you have an idea of what he is as a player, now if the shortcomings start becoming, you know, or start continue to improve or or start to improve, now you're talking about a player who could be, you know, seemingly unstoppable. So that's got to make you feel good if you're an Alabama fan. But it's going to be fascinating. The quarterback battles. I mean, I think that's a big reason why the SEC wasn't as strong early in the years because the quarterback play wasn't where it is currently at right now. And so I think going into next year, a lot of teams have their situations kind of figured out or already settled. And I think that's going to make the SEC a much tougher conference next year. Jimmy, understanding that there's still a lot to play out during the offseason, even in the next few days. I mean, we're seeing reports Alabama is hosting transfer portal targets uh, with an emphasis, I guess, on defensive end, edge, those type of positions for now. But do you envision a team especially from a depth perspective and how portal, how the portal can impact even in Alabama these days in taking away from the midsection of its roster to a large extent on an annual basis. Do you still envision a team with Texas and Oklahoma coming in uh, that is built for the long haul? Because I think more than ever, if you don't have the roster going into a season, it's going to show up and and it's going to show up, uh, pretty severely you have to be better under in this new format and the new scheduling and the new format to me you have to be better one through 85 I I think I think Saban's teams have always been exceptional one through 22 and and really they've always been good one through 85 but I think Saban sort of famously maybe maybe early on doesn't play a lot of his depth you know I think it's kind of very uh, NFL centric in terms of how Alabama does the the rotation and the substitutions. Uh, one thing I think in this new world, guys, is I, I think there's there needs to be more of an emphasis on playing more guys just in the sense that these 12 games are so difficult to manage and then possibly an SEC championship game and then possibly three playoff games. That's – your depth, your depth is going to be tested. I, I think it's a real scary thought that you could be playing, let's say, Ohio State in a national semifinal and what's game your game 15. And now you got to start an outside linebacker who, who's played eight snaps all year. Uh, that's highly realistic uh, in this new format. And, and I do think that depth and playing more players early in the season in September uh, is just more vital than ever. Uh, the idea that your starting lineup is going to survive uh, eight SEC games, an SEC championship game, and three rounds of playoff games, if not four. That it, it just doesn't seem realistic to me at all. You're just going to have to play more players. That's where this schedule could benefit Alabama in 2024. If it goes the way we're thinking and that the first half of the season, other than Georgia, 
is pretty friendly to the Crimson Tide, you should have some opportunities to get more guys involved or at least feel more comfortable about that, Clint, playing more guys. You're also going to have the additional bye week, which is going to allow you early in the season to circle back and not have such an extended stretch of, I won't say disconnect, because obviously the staff stays connected with every guy on the roster. But let's be honest, once you get into game week mode, you're like you said, pretty much, Jimmy, you're getting the guys that are going to play ready and you're not really spending as much of that quality time with maybe your third team guys or your your younger guys. So you're going to have an opportunity to do that twice during the 2024 season, once in September and then again in late October. So that could prove beneficial, I guess, Clint, too, as far as not just development of players physically, but that dynamic, that team dynamic of just keeping everybody's morale and trying to keep that locker room as, as even keeled as you possibly can. How beneficial would a, a bye week have been following week three this year? I mean, just put it that way. Uh, there was a lot that needed to be figured out. You had Ole Miss coming up in week four, not a bye week. So you really didn't have a whole lot of time to really hit the reset button. You went back to Jalen Milrow after switching from him for, for USF. And, you know, so that will that tells you everything you need to know about not only you can figure some things out about the team through that first stretch, but not only do you kind of get to hit the reset button a little bit early in the year and reevaluate. You've got a three game sample size, what's working, what's not working, what do we need to change? But also you get a couple of weeks before Georgia. But I will say this, too, on the flip side of that, I do think we're going to be going into that Georgia game not entirely sure what Alabama is because they wouldn't have really, I mean, going to Madison is certainly going to be, you know, it's going to be new. I mean, if that game was happening in November where it was freezing cold, I think it would be a little bit different, but just going on the road in a new situation, a new environment, that'll be um, a, a challenge for sure. And we don't know what Wisconsin will be next year in the transfer portal era. Uh, you can think you've got a team pegged. They can turn things around pretty quickly if they get the right guys in there. We'll see if Tyler Van Dyke's the right guy. But um, the point being, uh, the, the new bye week, the second bye week, certainly adds a wrinkle to how you can navigate your schedule. And while it's got some you know, benefits compared, like next year compared to you know, some previous years, I do think that it's also uh, going to give Alabama a chance to really f get a feel for what's working or what's not working and make any sort of the, the necessary adjustments that they need to. The double bye week is interesting. I, maybe I'm wrong on this. It just feels like because Labor Day's earlier in 2024 and Thanksgiving is later in 2024, you get an extra bye week. Hey, works for us, right? Uh, Jimmy, <laughs> let me ask you this uh, in relation to you know, what we've talked about with how teams are built. Um, do you think that'll be for Oklahoma and Texas uh, coming into the league? kind of the 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 cold water to the face moment in terms of you know they're walking into this SEC that we've seen for years uh and how they're built and obviously they recruit at a high level we know that Sark's recruiting at a very high level now at Texas uh Oklahoma traditionally has done that um do you do you figure that being the toughest adjustment for those newcomers well First of all, I think anyone expecting Texas and Oklahoma to struggle to adjust to the SEC is 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 not tethered to, to reality. Th those are two really good football teams, Texas especially right now. I think every bit legitimate, a top four team 
they're very good at the line of scrimmage. I think Oklahoma is a little bit behind Texas, but not too far behind them. They actually beat them. So they're not too far behind Texas in terms of their roster and, and what they're putting on the field. Uh, I, I don't think that schematically that, that there's, that they're behind. I don't even really think depth wise they're, they're behind. I think they recruit alongside uh, the best teams in the sec. I think with the cold water on the face that you referred to, this is what's coming that I don't think even their fans or their teams are ready for. And that is SEC road games against teams not named Alabama and Georgia. I think they will uh, they will be stunned at how difficult it is to win at random SEC places. Go beat South Carolina in Carolina. Go beat Florida in the swamp. Go good luck with Tennessee and Knoxville. Good luck with with Ole Miss and Oxford, or, or even Texas A&M and College Station. Uh, I, I think they're not going to be playing road games at Baylor and at Texas Tech and at Kansas State and at Iowa State. Those games are gone, replaced by road games uh, that are going to be very difficult to win. That's why I said when we started the show, hey, even at Alabama, maybe the best program in college football today, uh, when I look at a schedule for Alabama, my first fear, my first thought is, who who are we playing on the road? And that, that that's what Texas and Oklahoma are gonna gonna find out. That that's why the SEC is so difficult. There just aren't easy wins, especially when you pack a suitcase. They're they're gonna figure out real quick. Cowbells are really loud. <laughs> Texas, to your point, Jimmy, learned that a couple of years ago. Rolled into Fayetteville and got smacked. Yep, by yep. Arkansas. Great great, great example. So, yeah can definitely see that being the case as well. Hey, let's get into Alabama's toughest opponent for the 2024 season, not named Georgia. Uh, Clint, I'm going to start with you. Uh, give us your choice there. I'm I'm looking at those road games. I think those are pretty obvious selections, but you know, maybe you've got a, a home contest other than Georgia that you would point to. No, I think you got to go with the road environments. Um, and man, I'm having a tough time because like, Jaden Daniels, you know, he's probably not going to be at LSU, so they'll be breaking in a new quarterback. Got to think they're going to be improved defensively. It's going to be a hostile environment. At Oklahoma, that's certainly going to be new, uh, different. Uh, Oklahoma's going to have a lot to prove. That's kind of probably one of the games they circle on their schedule, like, hey, we can prove we belong here in the SEC by getting a uh, a win there, and Norman's probably going to be rocking. But I, part of me thinks Tennessee is poised for a pretty big bounce back if Nico can be the player that we all think he can be. Like they still got to break him in and make sure that he's that guy. You know, they've still got to figure some other things out. But I just feel like Knoxville, the energy that you felt in that stadium a couple of years, I guess last year, um, it was really different than probably anything I've ever felt. And I understand they got that emotional victory, they got that monkey off their back. Now it's, you know, they come to Tuscaloosa, really strong first half, then get blown out in the second half. Uh, and they're kind of been looking their wounds ever since. But I think that could be enough motivation where it's like, if you're going to prove that you're back to being Tennessee, you can't go right back to, okay, we got one win against Alabama, and now it's back to multi-years in a row. You can't beat them. Uh, you know, winning two out of three would certainly be, be a big deal for them. And so you need dynamic play out of the quarterback position uh, to beat Alabama nine times out of ten. And a player like Nico, I feel like he would, if he lives up to his potential and they have some things figured out by, you know, mid season, 
Alabama will have had that tough test against Georgia, but other than that, and I mean, going to Madison will be difficult to, uh, to a certain extent, but just Alabama won't be maybe as battle tested. Um, I don't know what Tennessee's schedule looks like, but going to Knoxville will be a different environment than anything they faced up to that point. And so we'll, we'll have to see how they end up responding to that. But I would probably, Tennessee might not be the popular choice, but that would probably be mine. Jimmy is uh, Josh Heupel, the kryptonite potentially <laughs> for Nick Saban. Well, he was for another half in Tuscaloosa before the Crimson Tide turned it on. Yeah. And then uh, I would even say, you know, uh, the South Florida, you know, had, had you know, that, that descended from Josh Heupel uh, to a degree. <laughs> I, I like Clint's answer. In term, I like Clint's answer a lot, really, because I, I think it's kind of like a combination for me of playing on the road plus the quarterback. Uh, you, you know, the, the road environment's going to be tough. Now, factor in playing a high-quality quarterback. Look at the last few that have beaten Alabama. Hendon Hooker, a really good player at Tennessee. Jaden Daniels down in Baton Rouge. And, and, of course, Quinn Ewers in Tuscaloosa. So I look at four the four tough road games. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke in Wisconsin. Garrett Nussmeyer in Baton Rouge, Nico in Tennessee, and probably Jackson Arnold in Oklahoma. And I think there are so many question marks about two or three of those guys because we just haven't seen enough of them. You know, like Clint is saying, hey, if Nico ends up living up to the hype, that's going to be a, a tough win. I, I think Garrett Nussmeyer has been a good player. From what I've seen of him, I've been really impressed by him. Uh, but but I'll stick with my answer being the game at Oklahoma because as we sit here today, and this answer can change, but as we <laughs> sit here today, I have more confidence that Jackson Arnold's going to be a dude than the other guys. But but that could easily change. I guess Nico and Jackson Arnold classmates from a year ago, right? So you're mm-hmm. talking about top two or three quarterbacks for that uh, 2023 cycle i got that right i get those cycles mixed up but um Same. i i do i go back to the quarterbacks just like we talked about earlier when when a schedule is revealed the first thing i look at along with head coaches i mean that matters obviously too and and roster quality throughout but quarterback can a lot of times be the difference between winning and losing i probably like garrett nussmeyer more than a lot of people because like you jimmy when i've seen him have an opportunity the guy isn't scared i'll say that you know, I saw him against Georgia in the SEC championship game, and LSU was getting blown out. I get it when he came into the game, but he made some throws and and didn't have any hesitancy about doing it. This guy's been around a little while, too, whereas Jackson Arnold, Nico, still a little fresh, no doubt. Talented guys that will probably put up big numbers as soon as next season. So I'm going to go with the Bayou Bengals. I'm going to stick with LSU in that spot because I just can't. Imagine anything other than a much improved LSU defense has in 2024. Be. It has to be. I mean, really, it can't can't be any worse, right? <laughs> and I think I think they'll be good enough in areas as foundational blocks where you have to be good. Quarterback, obviously, but lines of scrimmage. I think LSU on that offensive line brings back both those offensive tackles. So I think they got some starting points they can work with. Oklahoma worries me as much as anything about I don't know what the hell the weather's going to be like in late November. Cold. Because we because be we do our homework here on 3 for 3. I actually looked up temperature for the Oklahoma home game on November 24th against TCU 
high of 52, low of 34. As long as it's dry, you can you can live with that. But it's going to be a lot different than the last time I went out there for an Alabama-Oklahoma game. That was 2002, <laughs> and that was an absolute broiler of a 2.30 kick central time. And that was a hell of a game. Coach Fran and Alabama in the lead late, and then uh, OU hit uh, Alabama with a couple scores there to win that game. But that'll be a fun road trip regardless uh, which way you go. So there we go. Clint, Tennessee. We've got Jimmy with OU, and I'll go LSU. The common denominator in those three, though, road games. Road games. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Other than Georgia. Toughest game other than Georgia. want to reiterate that, too. Hey, you know what else has got Alabama fans excited during this Christmas season? Those new gifts that are going to be coming to Tuscaloosa this weekend. Andrew Bone of our BamaOnline.com staff with a great update previewing bowl practice uh, participants. Early enrollees expected to be at UA starting this weekend. Julian Sayan, the five-star quarterback from Carlsbad High School out in California, the number one quarterback for the class of 2024. Caleb Oden, number one tight end in the country. Coming over from Carrollton, Georgia, Casey Poe, a top 100 interior offensive lineman from Lindell High School in the state of Texas. Peyton Woodyard, Another top 100 player, another player from California, also Zabian Brown, a fellow Californian defensive back uh, from another big-time program, big-time programs that these guys are coming from, too, out west. So 11 in all, guys. Um, you know, let's go from a position-by-position position standpoint, understanding, again, long way off until the start of the 2024 season. When we just look at some of these early enrollees, I think Julian Sands, the guy that's going to attract the most attention, even though Milrow, Jalen Milrow, has eligibility remaining. We've already seen uh, Tyler Buckner make the decision to go back to Notre Dame, play lacrosse. That quarterback room is going to be fascinating to watch play out between now and, say, what, January 10th or so? Because you add Sand to that mix, you still have Ty Simpson on scholarship, Dylan Lonergan, Eli Holstein, Jalen. Um, what's your anticipation for this, uh, Clint, as we, as we get going with bowl practices and, and thinking about, you know, what is a reasonable expectation for Julian say, and looking ahead into 2024? Uh, first of all, Bugner is, he, he's sticking around, right? I, I'm not sure. I, I thought I'm that he, sure I think the initial, I mean, I was, would, was he, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the case, but now I've, if not, I mean, or if he does, that's six scholarship quarterbacks that you're kind of, how much are you going to be able to see? I mean, well, none of us are going to be able to see anything, but, um, you know, where does Julian say and fit into that? Uh, hopefully they'll get him a lot of like practice reps and let him do some different things. Um, he, but he could be JJ McCarthy a little bit, probably think, more than Julian saying during yeah. practice, but you've got guys like Lonergan. Your point is you, you don't just have to, guys you don't just have volume at the quarterback position you know thinking about how this could play out the transfer portal still in play for maybe one or two of these guys after the season Dylan Lonergan with baseball in the spring a possibility uh, I just think it's it's pretty pretty interesting to think about uh, the different sort of factors and variables that are going to go into this thing in the next few months there's no doubt and I mean you know 
obviously they got everything taken care of for 2024 with Jalen Milrow. You know, with, as long as there isn't an injury or anything like anything catastrophic happens, Jalen Milrow is going to be the guy. But it's kind of like when you had Bryce Young going into 2022 and you had Ty Simpson getting on campus, you had Jalen Milrow, you were already trying to figure out, okay, who's second? You know, when you've got a big blowout and you send in the next guy, who is that guy? How how quickly are they moving on to the number three? Because typically they'll show respect to the number two guy. But if they really like that number three, they'll get him in rather quickly and let him get some action as well. If that ends up being the case, is it Dylan Lonergan? Uh, is it, you know, Julian Sayan? Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that entire dynamic kind of, you know, works itself out because you want to ha- be prepared for what's coming in 2025 as far as anticipating a quarterback battle. And, you know, what ended up happening with, with uh, Jalen Milrow, he was the backup to Bryce Young, and he was the one that ended up winning the job. And granted, other guys had opportunities. They didn't ste- step up and take it when they did. So it's not like he was just handed the reins because he was the number two. But at the same time, I think that, you know, limited experience helped him relative to Ty Simpson because Simpson, a big issue that we heard early on from him or the coaching staff with him is we still think he's going to be a really good player, but he needs more seasoning. So if he would have gotten those number two snaps, he might have been further along as well. So all that stuff plays into it. I mean, even though the the starter is already locked up, how they play the backup and kind of utilize those guys behind him, that'll be interesting to watch because I think you know, uh, Dylan Lonergan and, and Julian saying if, you know, maybe Ty Simpson's still a part of that mix, we'll have to wait and see, but it should be make for a very interesting quarterback battle in 2025. Jimmy, other than the quarterback situation with Julian saying, boy, when I look at this list of bowl practice participants, Peyton Woodyard, Xavier Brown, um, Drake Kirkpatrick Jr. And then Andrew also noted Red Morgan, the four-star DB, uh, from Phoenix city, uh, is expected to arrive at Alabama next Wednesday. Uh, it's expected that Jameer Grimsley, a top 100 corner from Tampa, who I know Florida has tried to stay in there with Jameer Grimsley all the way up to this early signing period that starts next week. And then you got Jalen Mbakwe, who um, is going to enroll early. Don't know if uh, he's going to make it in time for bowl practice, according to Andrew. But man, this is... That's a dime package you can roll with, isn't it? Right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to me, uh, it is the DBs. I'm going to be super interested in these early enrollees. And that's why let's look at 2022's defensive back group. Uh, you know, when you had your, your Brian Branch and your Eli Ricks and your Jordan Battle and DeMarco Hellams, a good group, no doubt. The NFL draft proved that. You also lost some guys on the portal, Kyrie Jackson to, to Oregon and Traquan Fagan to USC. Uh, Jacquez Robinson went with uh, primetime in Colorado. So you had massive turnover. You had a good group. The NFL draft proved it. But then you had massive turnover. Well, what did we see? We saw possibly even an improved DB group in 2023, which is just stunning and and yet more proof of how Coach Saban is just the greatest recruiter of all time, how he can reload that defensive backfield in just one cycle. But we look up and – what could happen? Kool-Aid gone. Terion maybe gone. Malachi Moore maybe gone. Jalen Key out of eligibility. It feels like for the second year in a row, almost the entire DB group will change out. And what does that mean? That means opportunity is there for these young guys. Now, maybe they're too young. Maybe they're not ready. 
but I do see potential opportunity for these DBs and getting a jump start uh, on spring practice by participating in the bowl practices will have them more ready in the spring when you literally start jockeying for depth chart position. And Clint, you're going to have a couple of these guys coming straight from Hattiesburg where you've got the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game on Saturday. I believe that's a high noon kickoff from USM. Guys like Drake or Patrick Jr. are over there. R. Charles Power of the On3 Network doing a great job, by the way. If you haven't seen Charles's updates on a daily basis yet, check them out. He's had some good stuff on Dre Jr. Also, William Sanders, the interior offensive lineman from nearby Brookwood, who has done some nice things. I guess that's a pretty nice way to get yourself ready for what you're going to encounter in Tuscaloosa a day or so later. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's just it's a nice stretch for some of these guys. I mean, their season's just ended. And it's like they're going to be playing football for a while, uh, you know, continuing on, you know, doing those Mississippi Alabama all-star practices, turning around and, and going and, and practicing by far against the toughest opponents you've ever gone against on a consistent basis. Uh, and it's kind of you allow them to kind of get shell-shocked early because it's going to be a shell-shock. It is pretty, for pretty much everybody. I would say maybe not Caleb Downs. Uh, that's about the only person uh, that I can think of in recent memory who probably – stepped on the field from day one and was like, this is fun. Uh, in most cases, guys are going to feel overwhelmed, but that's part of the process though. You got to get that out of the way. Some guys experience it for the first time in the spring and then they got all spring to develop and get used to it. And they got the summer to kind of relax and get in better condition. And then you start fall camp going ahead and getting a jump start on that and getting your feet wet in these bowl practices is huge because it's going to allow you to kind of go ahead and go through that process, get comfortable with your new, schedule and the demands of playing at Alabama and then by the time you, you get reached spring practice you're kind of ready to you fit your stride a little bit more you know what to expect from a practice you know perspective to some degree it's a little bit different uh you're getting a lot more opportunities in the spring because that's what it's designed for but you, you you know the nuances of it a little bit more and you can focus on your personal development and then you get to worry about going through the process of summer and fall camp and so for some of these guys, I mean, it, it could be crucial as far as helping them. I mean, Jalen Hurts, wasn't that kind of what he did? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely can be beneficial. And Jimmy, uh, he's not an early enrollee at Alabama, but a wide receiver over there in Hattiesburg, I think we've all heard of. Ryan Williams taking part in the Alabama-Mississippi game this week. And also, you've got the All-American games coming up here in the next few weeks to close out the year, get into the new year. Um, so plenty still to follow with us at BamaOnline.com. Uh, Ryan Williams is, I guess, a 16-year-old right now. Right. Jimmy, sounds like he's not having much trouble with the step up in competition. I know you're not no. surprised by that. No, I would not be surprised uh, one bit. Dear. I mean, just look, you know, some kids are just natural in terms of just getting to that next level. I, I'd just point back to Ryan Williams was a significant player at Sarah Land in the ninth grade. When I first saw him, he, he, so w when you're an immediate impact, uh, you know, ninth grader at a program like Sarah Land, who, who now annually produces double digit college signees and, and you can get on that field and play a role as a ninth grader, then probably by the time you, you've completed the 11th grade, like Ryan, you're, you're just ready for the next level. I, it, on the one hand, it makes me nervous about Ryan skipping a senior season, not, you know, not the biggest guy in the world either, uh, but skipping his, his senior season, but much like Caleb Downs, I think this is a kid who 
easily transitions to uh, to the next level in life in football. And uh, I think the Hattiesburg, uh, uh, you know, that experience uh, probably, you know, will help him a little bit. Let's be honest. I mean, you know, he, he practices against Division One DBs at Sarah Land every day. Now, it's not what what he has at the, the Alabama All-Star team, but it's kind of in the ballpark. So uh, I, I don't anticipate Ron Williams having any problems and, and he, he wouldn't, assuming he signs with Alabama, he wouldn't even be here for the spring, but, but he'll be a, uh, he'll be an impact player next fall. I, I would, uh, I would go ahead and set my watch to that. Well, I wanted to get this in with you guys because I know you're both very popular on the Christmas party circuit. So I knew you'd pretty much be booked Friday on through the weekend, especially Clint with that guitar back there. I'm sure he's a little eggnog got... in my future. Yeah. Absolutely. Christmas parties coming up this weekend. It is that time of year and we're going to have continuing coverage right there at BamaOnline.com. Pretty significant basketball game on Saturday too as the Alabama men's team continues this gauntlet of strong opposition. Last Saturday it was Purdue and Toronto. This Saturday it is the Creighton Blue Jays who got hammered pretty good a night or two ago. I'm not sure that helps Alabama. Uh, in this particular situation, but very good Creighton team at home on Saturday, welcoming Alabama, and then Crimson Tide goes to Phoenix, take on Arizona <laughs> midweek before the Christmas break. Uh, Nate, Nate, not afraid of anybody, guys. I think it's safe to say at this point. I love it. I think, yeah, it's the uh, the in season NBA tournament stretch for uh, for Alabama. <laughs> this will help them later, though. Might need uh, Grant Nelson to pull a Luca to have a chance to win these next two, but uh, maybe he's got it. Maybe he'll do it. We'll see. Hey, guys, always appreciate it. Good stuff, and thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. Good talking to you, fellas. Looking forward to the next one. Absolutely. For Clint Lamb and Jimmy Stein, Travis Ryer, thanking you for joining us right here on 3 for 3. Be sure to hang out with us all at BamaOnline.com, the roundtable, our premium message board. That's where you want to post up with us. And if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel yet, hit that little button right there and that bell for the notifications. You'll get all of our video content as it drops. Until next time, so long, everybody. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 
1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.